Welcome to Whitewater Wesleyan Community Church, where we invite you to believe in Jesus, belong to his church, and become like him. Stay tuned for this week's message. We're uh, finishing up our look at Colossians this morning and uh, starting in chapter 4, verse 2. Next week we'll begin a new series, uh, Preparing Ourselves for Christmas. Yes, it's coming. And uh, we'll be digging into the Old Testament there and looking at all of the prophecies that foretold Jesus uh, coming in the flesh. Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. Paul writes, devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Pray for us, too, that God will give us many opportunities to speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ. That's why I'm here in chains. Pray that I will proclaim this message as clearly as I should. Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. Tychicus will give you a full report about how I'm getting along. He's a beloved brother and faithful helper who serves me in the Lord's work. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, to let you know how we're doing and to encourage you. I'm also sending Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother, one of your own people. He and Tychicus will tell you everything that is happening here. Aristarchus, who is in prison with me, sends you his greetings, and so does Mark, Barnabas's cousin. As you were instructed before, make Mark welcome if he comes your way. Jesus, the one we call Justice, also sends his greetings. These are the only Jewish believers among my co-workers. They are working with me here for the kingdom of God. And what a comfort they've been. Epaphras, a member of your own fellowship and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends you his greetings. He always prays earnestly for you, asking God to make you strong and perfect, fully confident that you're following the whole will of God. I can assure you that he prays hard for you and that also for the believers in Laodicea and Hierapolis. Luke, the beloved doctor, sends his greetings and so does Demas. Please give my greetings to our brothers and sisters at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church that meets in her house. After you've read this letter, pass it on to the church at Laodicea so that they can read it too and you should read the letter I wrote to them. And say to Archippus, be sure to carry out the ministry the Lord gave you. Here is my greeting in my own handwriting, Paul. Remember my chains. May God's grace be with you. I don't know if you got a favorite prison movie. Anybody seen prison movies? Yeah? Okay. Few people. Some people just don't watch the movies, eh? And whether it's Elvis in Jailhouse Rock or it's the Birdman of Alcatraz, if you, if you go back to that uh, old school kind of movie or, or the more modern and, and a little grittier ones like Shawshank Redemption or Escape from Alcatraz. Anybody seen that one? The Clint Eastwood movie? So this is a picture of Alcatraz. And uh, Roxanne and I, a few years ago, uh, took a vacation to San Francisco, and a friend of ours 
was uh, living there, a friend of mine from Bible college, and we hung out with he and his wife. But one of the highlights was going to Alcatraz. So we took a ferry across to Alcatraz Island, and we landed. You can kind of see it in this light. There's like a ferry right there in the dock. And uh, it was kind of an amazing experience because you, you see this prison and we got to walk around the cells and, and they give you a headset and, you, and they go walk down the, the left corridor to this number and this is Al Capone's cell when he was here and, and they tell you other stories about famous inmates and famous, uh, of course, uh, prison escape attempts. And one of my favorite stories was a story from right on that dock. There was, and, and I can't remember the guy's name, I couldn't find the story on the internet, but I'll never forget, they told us about this short little prisoner that he decided that he was going to escape. And so what he did is, is when it was his turn to work in the laundry, he started to ferret away little pieces of a uniform. And, you know, he'd, he'd squirrel away a, a pair of socks or, or, or a uniform tunic or something. And, and, it, and it had to be small pieces at a time, maybe some ripped off pieces. And, and then he, he put it all together. It, it took a couple of years to gather a full uniform and, and to find his moment when he wouldn't get caught stealing this stuff. And he got himself a uniform and he balled it up and he hid it underneath the dock. And, and when he was working the dock, his plan was that when the, when the ferry came in with all the guards, because the guards were kind of brought in from from over in uh, San Francisco uh, by boat. And when that boat arrived, that he'd wait until the, the guards that were going off shift got back on the boat. And he, so he waited for his moment and he snuck under the dock and put the uniform on and, and he just kind of nonchalantly walked on with the other guards in his guards uniform. And he went down below the decks in case some of the guards might recognize him and kind of hid away. And he figured he was free and clear and the, and the boat headed out of out of Alcatraz and across the water and uh, to the other side of the Golden Gate Bridge where they first stop and, and, uh, and some of the guards get off. And so he thought, I, I just got to make it out of the boat. I just got to let nobody see me. I just got to, you know, sneak out nonchalantly and, and, and make my break and I'm free and clear and I'm, I'm not stuck in Alcatraz anymore. Little did he know that once he went missing from the dock, somebody noticed, and they told the warden, and uh, the warden and a couple other guards, they had a much faster boat. And they got in the boat, and they zoomed over to the island, and he walked off the gangplank thinking, I'm, I'm out, I'm free, I'm just going to walk away and blend into the crowd. And the warden and the guards are standing at the end just watching and waiting for him to come across there. It was very short-lived. The thing is that we imagine if we were in prison, we would want to get out, right? We would want to escape. And the only thing that might keep us from escaping, other than the guards and the walls and, you know, all that stuff, is that we think, okay, maybe I got to stay here and do my time, but, but I'm looking forward to the day when I'll get out. If there was a way for me to get out, maybe I'll, I'll try the appeals process. Maybe that'd be our modern version, right? We'd, we'd go, may, maybe if, if they retry my case, I, I can get free. And, and especially if we felt we hadn't really done anything wrong, we'd be looking for ways to be released. We'd probably be, be sending letters back to the church and saying, hey, pray for me. I, I don't know why I'm here, and, and can you pray for me that, that maybe the parole board will look, uh, look favorably on me, or, or pray that they'll reconsider my case, or, or pray that I'll get out, you know, or, or at least pray it'll go easy for me here in prison, because this is not easy. 
pray that I'll kind of have an easier time being incarcerated. Now, Paul, we've talked about before, he writes this letter to the Colossians. He doesn't really know them. He's never met them, but he's writing them to instruct them things that he's heard about them and and things that he wants to encourage them in and things that he wants to kind of exhort them on and say, here's the things you're doing really great, but but here's where you should grow and and here's what my prayer is for you and and here's what I, here's the things I I care about happening among you and, and here's where I want to spur you on. But you notice in this last passage, as he's winding down and and giving his final kind of instructions to them, you notice when he begins, he says, devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. I imagine you would stay pretty alert if you were in prison, especially in his day, wouldn't you think? Like, Like you would be on high alert all the time. Your senses would be attuned to anything bad that could happen. And so he says, devote yourself to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Pray for us too that God will give us many opportunities to speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ. That's why I'm here in chains. Pray that I will proclaim this message as clearly as I should. You notice that he doesn't say, pray for me that I will be released from here. All I did was talk about Jesus. There shouldn't be anything wrong with that. Pray that they'll let me out. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, pray that it'll go easy on me. Pray that, you know, I'll have a good time here, that, that I'll have all the food that I need because you were responsible for your own food when you were in prison. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, pray people come and visit me. I, I'm getting kind of lonely and, and it's not really easy being here. He doesn't say that. He doesn't ask for anything for them to pray for his comfort or his release or his future. He says, Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind, thankful heart. But here's his prayer request. This is what he asks for. This is what he wants. His prayer request is that you would pray for us too, that God will give us many opportunities to speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ. He says, pray for me that I'll get opportunities to talk about Jesus here. Can you imagine that being on the tip of your brain while you're spending time in the clink? Can you imagine sitting in that jail cell knowing that you're thrown there uh, not because you did something horrible, but you feel like it's kind of a result of, uh, of speaking up for Jesus and you say, pray for us. You know, what? really pray for me while I'm here. And what you should pray is that I'll get the chance to tell as many people as possible about Jesus. I pray that opportunities will come to me. Now, this is Paul who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. This is Paul that went around on all those missionary journeys and, and all kinds of churches that he writes to. He founded the church. He went into town and started talking in the public square, went to the synagogue and started preaching about Jesus. And he starts to gather a few people. And then he leaves this church and he says, you guys continue on and try to reach more of your neighbors and friends. And and I got to move on to the next place and start another church and talk to more people about Jesus. And he's just spreading the word everywhere. And he gets in jail and he says, pray that I won't miss any opportunities. I pray that I'll get even more chances to talk about Jesus. About the mysterious plan concerning Christ. That's kind of hardcore, isn't it? 
Like this guy isn't fooling around. He's been thrown in jail, but his biggest concern is that he not miss even a single chance to tell somebody about Jesus. And here's the part that might blow you away. Uh, if you notice in that passage where he says, uh, you know, um, he says, devote yourself to prayer with an alert mind, thankful heart, pray for us that God will give us many opportunities to speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ. And then he says, that's why I'm here in chains. Pray that I will proclaim the message as clearly as I should. When he says, that's why I'm here in chains. And there's kind of two ways to understand that. And here's the thing is, is in English, it's unclear just as much as is, and it, it's the same in the original language. He says, uh, pray that, that I'll have as many opportunities to speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ. That's why I'm here in chains. So some would say, well, what he's saying, that's why I'm here in chains, is I'm in chains because I've done this before, because I've been out there talking about Jesus, and that's why they threw me in jail, because I'm talking about Jesus. And we know that Paul said that before in, in context where he's in jail, that he's going, you know, this, this is what happens when you talk about Jesus to people who don't want to hear about it. They throw you in jail. But here, when he says it, he says, pray that I will have many opportunities to talk about this mysterious plan concerning Christ. That's why I'm here in chains. Another way to look at that passage, that, that verse, is that what he's saying is, pray that I'll have opportunities because I'm in jail so that I'll have opportunities. Like the reason I'm in jail is because some of these prisoners need to know about Jesus. And that's the reason I got thrown in here. I'm not thrown in here to get in trouble for preaching out there. I'm in jail so that I can preach in here. Like it's God's plan for me to be here so that I can talk to people who are incarcerated, talk to guards and people in there about Jesus and they need to know about him. And, and, and so I'm in here for the specific purpose of sharing and taking those opportunities. Hey, help me, pray for me that I don't miss even one chance. And we don't know if it's one or the other or both, but it's kind of a, a mind-blowing thought that his perspective would be, God put me here so I could do this. And he sees jail as an opportunity not as a burden, not as something that he's got to fight, not as some injustice in the world that needs to be overcome and what a terrible world it is where they throw you in jail like that and maybe because you were speaking about Jesus. But he says, look, I'm looking to maximize every opportunity. Pray I don't miss anything, like that I'm not in a grumpy mood some morning and I walk on by and I don't even see that that person was waiting to talk to me or I could have had a chance or, or ha pray that when I'm in a conversation, if somebody's talking in a way that I could, you know, I can weave it around to Jesus that I don't miss the chance. He says, that's why I'm here in chains. And then he says, pray that I'll proclaim this message as clearly as I should. He prays for opportunities to, to talk about Jesus. And he says, pray when I do. When I speak up about Jesus, help me not to mess it up. Like pray that God won't let me say it in a way that's unclear or doesn't sound like the truth. Like, like help me to get it right so that they understand who Jesus really is and, and what this is really all about. Like help me not to say it in a way that turns them off instead of turning them towards Jesus. And so that's his big prayer request. 
give me opportunities, God, to, to talk about you and, and give me clarity when I talk to them. Help me, help, me to, help me explain this right so people get it. And then he starts advising them to do it too. Like, like it's not enough for him to say, these are my prayer requests and, and here's what I want you to pray for me, the Apostle Paul, like, like the guy who's going around starting churches. Not only that, but he starts to say, uh, this is my advice to you. Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Live wisely among those who aren't believers. Like, like don't, don't just live your life and, and go about your business. Live wisely among people who don't know about Jesus. Like live in such a way that you're really showing who you, you, you serve and, and what you're about. Like, like live wisely among those who aren't believers and make the most of every opportunity. Paul, <laughs> aren't you in jail because you've been making the most of every opportunity? And, and you might be one of those guys that can handle that, but, but you got thrown in jail for speaking up for Jesus, and now you're telling me I shouldn't miss an opportunity either. Like, are, are, are you looking for company? Is this like, uh, you know, misery loves company? Is that what this is? We have heard the saying uh, that God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. But Paul, like seriously? Is this really what you're telling us we should do? Is this the advice you want to give to us? Like yes, you know, we, we, want, we want people to know about Jesus and all. But we're kind of counting on you to do that. Like you're the tough guy. You can obviously handle jail. You're tougher than us. We'll pray for you. And, and we'll try to live out our lives. But... But now you're telling us that we should go around and we shouldn't miss any opportunities. Apparently, talking about Jesus could get you thrown in jail. You, you really want that for us? It's like he's saying, hey, pray for me. This is really great. Pray with a thankful heart. I'm, I'm so thankful I'm here. I get to talk to people about Jesus and all this could be yours. Join me, won't you? Is he a little punch drunk? Is he, is he not understanding the implications for them if they go out and do the same thing he's doing? He's not really uh, selling them on, on the joys of sharing their faith, really. Is he if he's telling them right up front, like, uh, here I am, I'm in jail, but this is happening? It's not a real good sales pitch, but apparently it worked. Apparently the pitch worked on some people because then Paul starts listing names. So he starts saying, well, well Tychicus is br will bring a report. Like Tychicus is going to bring this letter to you. Tychicus and Onesimus are the guys carrying the letter. And uh, they'll bring a report. He's my beloved brother, my faithful helper who serves me in the Lord's work. That's pretty high praise coming from Paul. He goes, Tychicus has been here with me. He's been helping me out, but he's a faithful brother. He's a guy that's like digging into the Lord's work. And, and so I'm sending him to you with this letter. And then there's Onesimus. And uh, Onesimus is the other guy carrying the letter. And he calls him a brother. Well, Onesimus is a runaway slave. And, and spoiler alert, there's another uh, letter in the New Testament by Paul called Philemon. It's like one chapter long. You know, uh, you, you should go home and read it this afternoon, and then you can brag to your friends. What did you do this afternoon? Oh, I, I started off just by reading a whole book of the Bible, and, you know, 
took me about five minutes because I, fa- I read that fast. But Onesimus is a runaway slave, and, and Paul writes to Philemon, who's Onesimus's master. And Onesimus had stolen from Philemon to fund his, his road trip away from home. And somehow Onesimus had ended up running into Paul in jail, whether he went there looking for Paul because he knew him, because Paul had, had been in Philemon's home and, and, and led him to Christ, and, and, and so he would have known the family. But, but maybe he went looking for Paul or maybe just ran into Paul, maybe got, him thr- thrown him, got himself thrown in jail temporarily and ran into Paul that way. We don't know. But Onesimus runs into Paul and Paul talks to him about his faith and goes, like, you need, to, you need to go home, and if you've stolen, you need to give it back. But then he writes to Philemon, he goes, Philemon, like, you got every right to punish him. And in that culture, we talked about the ownership you had of slaves. Like, he had a right to have uh, Onesimus killed. But he says to Philemon, like, welcome him back and treat him like a brother. Don't treat him like a slave. Treat him like a brother in Christ. And elevate his status because he knows Jesus like you know Jesus. And inside here, believers are believers. So that's Onesimus, runaway slave, fellow prisoner. Then there's Aristarchus. He, he is referred to as a fellow prisoner. And, uh, and it, it, that may be an honorific title. He may be saying he's a prisoner for Christ. Like, or, or is he saying he was in jail with me? Might, might be one or the other. And then he, he mentions uh, Mark, and he says he's a cousin of Barnabas. That's really believed that this is not just Mark, this is John Mark, like, like the guy, the young guy who went on missionary journeys with Paul and Barnabas. And in fact, Paul and Barnabas had gone on one missionary journey, and John Mark, little young, wet behind the ears, he decides he's going to bail, he can't take it anymore, and he runs out on the two other guys, and, and, uh, and Paul's really upset with them, and then when they go to leave on another journey later, uh, Barnabas says, well, let's bring John Mark. And, you know, I, I think he's come around. And, and Paul says, nope, not taking him. He ran out on us. Tough luck for him. And they disagreed so sharply that Barnabas wants to take him and forgive him. And Paul's like, no, I, I, I don't trust that guy. He, he ran out on us. That's not a good call. It, it, they disagreed so much on it that Barnabas decided he'd go his own way and he'd take John Mark with him. And then Paul had to find a new partner, and so he goes and recruits this guy, Silas. And so Paul and Silas go as a missionary team one direction, and Barnabas and John Mark go the other way. So there's a disagreement, there's a bit of of a grudge there on Paul's part, but the end result in the Christian church is that there ends up being two missionary teams instead of one. And they start more churches, and they tell more people about Jesus. And they do what they got to do, and, and both teams are effective in sharing the good news of Jesus with other people. And at this point, when Paul, later in life then, is, is in jail, and, uh, and he's got this whole list of people who are helping him, other brothers that he's sending greetings from, people that, that he's sharing the good news with, he says, these guys, like, we're all on, on, on a team together. We're on Team Jesus together, all of these guys. And he says, this guy's been with me, this guy, Mark, like, remember him? So at this point, if it's the same guy, like they suspect, that means that Paul made up with him. And, and Paul says, you know, he's been here helping me. And when he comes back to you, you should welcome him like, like a hero, like one of us. 
Like he came to his senses and realized, hey, he did pretty good with Barnabas. Maybe I was a bit hard on him. And he lets him off the hook. And then there's uh, Jesus, who they say they call justice, I guess for obvious reasons, right? And he and, and Mark, he says, are the only two Jews in the entire group. But they're there too. And then Epaphras, who's called a prisoner in Philemon, uh, just like Epaphras, or just like um, uh, our, our Aristarchus is here. And so Epaphras, is, he says, is a real prayer warrior. Like, he's praying for you all the time, guys. Like, he's, he's, he digs into prayer. And I, he, he prays so hard for you that you'll, like, understand Jesus and that you'll go out and share this and that you'll know what's going on and that you'll do well in your faith and you'll grow. Like, like he's praying for you all the time. And, and I just want you to know, he's not just here helping me out, but he's still concerned about you guys, even though he's here with me. And then he says, Luke, the physician. Well, well, there was a physician in Acts named Luke who traveled with Paul. And, and, and he, the stories go along. And then at one point, they, they stop mentioning Luke. And you think, okay, well, well, I guess he went a different direction at that point, And maybe he went on, on with his travels somewhere else. Uh, some have speculated that, that he's the Luke that wrote the book of Luke and the book of Acts. That maybe because they knew he was Paul's traveling companion and it's a guy named Luke, it kind of makes sense that this was the physician. And there's other kind of clues to the way the guy looks at things. Like he sounds kind of like a physician. Like, like he, he's very technical about certain things. He pays attention to kind of details that you think, well, a doctor would be kind of you know, precise, right? You would expect. And so that's another guy that he, he writes and brings greetings from. And Demas and then Nympha. A, a, a church and the church meeting in her house. Isn't that a beautiful thing? He's got, he, he's writing and he's saying, I'm, I'm sending you greetings from all these guys, but there's a woman in, there's a woman here in ministry too and she sends her greetings and, or, or he says, send greetings to her and the church meeting in her house. Like, like there's leaders in the church sharing the gospel and it's not just the guys that are doing this. There are women too. And Archippus, and, and Archippus, he says, you guys should tell Archippus to do the ministry that he's called to do. Like, doesn't even say what it is, but he goes, like, tell Archippus, like, he should follow through and do what God's called him to do. And you guys pass that message on to him. Encourage him in that. And the thing is that Paul says that the plan of Christ is mysterious. He says, pray that I'll be able to explain this mysterious plan of Christ. But remember, at the beginning, he says, pray with an alert mind and a thankful heart. And it's like he thinks there's something to be thankful for. And he says, pray that I don't miss any opportunities. Because I'm really, I love talking to people about Jesus. I don't want to miss one chance to tell a new person about Jesus. And you shouldn't miss a chance either. Like, like you get the idea that he's kind of excited about this stuff. And could it be that it's not just a mysterious plan, but it really is a wonderful plan, even though there are challenges to face with it? Could it be that Paul says, hey, I don't mind being in jail as long as I just get, get to keep doing this, to living for Jesus, to living wise among people that don't know him, and showing them what Jesus' love looks like in practical terms, and, and to talk to him about it and explain to him in a way that all of a sudden the light bulb goes on and they go, if Jesus is like that, I want him in my life. 
Paul says, That's, it's mysterious and, and there's stuff that happens. And yes, I got to be alert because I'm here in jail. But he's grateful that he gets the chance to do it. And he doesn't want anybody else to miss out on the fun. And so the last thing he says in his letter, he says, well, I'm writing this in my own hand. And then he signs his name, Paul, and then he goes, remember my chains. The thing is, somebody told you about Jesus, right? And maybe some of us, we can go back in our minds and we can say, I can remember the the time I sat with so-and-so and they explained it to me. And whether it was when you were a child or when you were an adult, whatever point in your life that, that you, you got it explained to you in such a way that you understood who Jesus was and you decided, okay, I'm, I'm going to try a prayer. I'm, I'm going to talk to Jesus and I'm going to try and figure out if he's real, if he'll speak to me, if he'll show up in my life. And, and I want to figure out if this is worth following or if this is just all something that people say. And, and I want to figure out if there's anything to this Christianity. You remember the person or, or the people that tried to explain it to you and somehow it started to make sense and you, you actually gave it a chance to the point where you're sitting here this morning and you'd go, yes, I believe in Jesus and yes, he's changed my life. And I can't imagine life without Jesus after all that's happened to me and, and I'm so glad that person told me. And it might have been your mom or your dad or it might have been somebody at your church that you went to, or it might have been somebody you met on the street and you had nothing to do with church growing up and you just went, "Hmm." now that I've heard it, it's starting to make sense. And there are people you know who don't know yet. And, 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 and at times, for some of us, you know, we wonder about it. And, and there are people who are struggling to believe and there are people that come to church and they're not sure yet and they're just figuring it out. They're exploring what it is to decide whether they believe it or not. And my prayer is they'll run into somebody who shows it to them in their lives and lives it out so well that they recognize that little piece of Jesus. Imperfectly lived, but so perfect in what it is. That something in your story will reflect his story. And it would change someone's mind. Paul says to them, my prayer for you guys is that you don't miss one chance. Pray for me that I don't miss any chances, but I... I'm, I, I live wisely. I, I, if, I, if there's one piece of advice I could give you that's going to make your life complete is don't miss a chance to talk to somebody about Jesus. Somebody did it for you. And there are people who won't listen to anyone but you. That you will get a chance to speak to them and you might be the only one that it makes sense coming from because of the way that you weave it into your story and the way that you explain what happened to you because they're a lot like you. There are friends and family members that you have an opportunity to speak to. And I hope you hear Paul's voice down through the centuries because he recruited all these dudes and this woman Nympha and others among them. And he says, look, 
there's other people on the team. It's just not just me. And you guys, you small Colossian, seemingly powerless church, you are part of Team Jesus. And I invite you to join me on the big mission of sharing with people who Jesus is and the difference he can make in their lives. Join me, won't you? And you too could make a difference for eternity. And nobody should miss out on the chance to do that. And my prayer is that I can join my voice with Paul's and that I can look for opportunities and that I can encourage other people, <laughs> invite them to the journey and say, you should tell your story too. If somebody told you and somehow Jesus showed up and you understood that he's not just something you believe in, but that he's a real living presence in your life and it's changed your life forever. Don't miss a chance. If you were thrown in jail, don't miss a chance. Whatever challenges life throws at you and however hard it is to speak up and whatever you're afraid of happening next, if you do, don't miss an opportunity. Because it could change everything for that person. And you might not get your words right. And you might not always be clear in how you explain it. But you get better at that part. And the thing is, the minute you start speaking, if your heart is that you're like, God, just help me to, to not mess this up. God will bless that and he'll use it. And there is nothing else you can do in the entire universe that's as important as that moment if you could snatch somebody from death to life and show them eternity and give them the gift that Jesus gave you to know the truth and to experience the abundant life and to have your eternity secure forever. Don't miss a chance. Not a single moment. Let's pray together. God, this morning is... As I look back, I am so grateful for the people I ran into when I was 17 who, who lived a bit like you and showed your kindness to me when I was the most vulnerable to, to walk away from all this and to forget it forever. And I just thank you for the moment when when I saw it in action and understood that it isn't just something people say, but that it was real and that you were real. I am so grateful that when I challenged you to show up, you showed up and that you changed me. My whole life has been different than it would have been if that moment never happened. And I thank you for the moment. I, I don't know all the stories here. I've heard some of them. And we have such incredible stories in this room of how you've worked, how you showed up, the things you did, and the circumstances you orchestrated so that they were in the right place at the right time in the right frame of mind to hear from somebody. 
And we confess, Father, for all of us, we have missed chances when we could have said something, but we were too shy or afraid or nervous or we felt unworthy or incapable of explaining it very well. And we let the moment pass. And so we just ask you that we would have the heart that Paul has, that we would hear his invitation, his recruitment pitch to joining Team Jesus. And that we would want to be on that team and part of that mission. That it wouldn't be enough that we have found you and found our salvation, but that we would want to share with others so that they don't miss the chance to know you and to live with you and to have you in their lives and the way that you make everything better. God, there's so many things and so many voices in our heads that hold us back at moments like that. And we know where those voices come from. And so we ask you that your Holy Spirit would empower us and give us the courage to step out and to take a chance that you give us the words to be kind and gracious and not hit someone over the head with what we believe, but that we just try to explain to them exactly what happened when you pulled our hearts around and showed us what reality really looks like and started to grow your kingdom inside of us. There's no excuse we could have that would be better than a first century prison. And yet Paul recruits people and continues to talk to them. And, and he doesn't try to hide the fact that he's in chains. He reminds them with his last sentence, remember my chains. But he doesn't take back the invitation. And he doesn't stop praying that more people would share who you are and what you do to change lives. Help us to not miss one chance. Help us to pay better attention and to show more boldness and to trust that you will work through our speech and through our actions when we, when we are truly responsive to you and allow you to have your way in us until there's not a person on the planet that doesn't know you and love you like we do. Help us to be part of that great mission. We feel small and powerless, but we are not because we know the one who calls us, who created the entire universe. We pray in the name of the one who created the world and yet came in the form of a tiny, pink, vulnerable baby. The name of the one who humbled himself even to death on a cross for us. You've shown that you would do anything to reach us and to change us. Help us to respond with hearts that are obedient to you, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.